The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I've said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because servant, the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Christ. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father in heaven, and our Lord Jesus. Amen. We have a little patch of grass in our backyard now. It does need to get mowed every so often. So I got this rechargeable mower. It has a battery, no gas. There's no pull string start. The whole thing takes about 10 minutes, and the yard is done. But a few years back, we lived in a house in Iowa City that had a big, great big backyard. And it had an apple tree and a hill on one side. And when it was covered in snow, Lily and Isaac would go and play and slip and slide and sled out there. And the apples weren't much good for eating. They were more squirrel food and treats for birds and bugs. But when it wasn't snowy, that grass needed to get mowed. needed to be tended. In the garage was a gas push mower that worked most of the time. So in the summer, I'd get out there when it was hot and humid and mow the lawn. It took at least 30 minutes to cut, and by the time it was all done, I could do nothing but wipe the sweat from my forehead, grab a beverage, and sit down, looking over this vast sea of green. It was exhausting. But to look out over the finished job and to rest was a great enjoyment like a reward for a job well done. And I'm, I'm sure it's deep in my sense memory from all those days growing up and doing yard work, that smell of fresh cut grass, that feeling of a job well done. I'm recovering after every muscle has been pressed to the limit. It's a, one way we might imagine how God sits back and rests after creating the whole universe. Well, it must have been a lot of work, right? And after all that is finished, all God can do is sit back and observe, enjoy, rest. The first creation story tells of the light separated from the darkness, the heavens from the earth, the land and seas, the plants that spring forth from the earth, and birds and animals, all of it God names as good. It is tov. And in the rhythm of the creation, God sees it all. God calls it good. And after God is done creating, there's nothing left to do but rest. That's it. In this act of rest, God shows trust and faithfulness that the creation will go on. Pastor Kara Root writes that it is a radical thing to have a deity that rests. To be so secure in one's power and place as to stop and step back demonstrates God's own security. 
God creates humankind and blesses them, just as God had previously blessed the creatures, saying, be fruitful and multiply, as if to say, you're good. Now go, do your thing. And they did. At this point, there's no more instruction than that. And the heavens and the earth and all God's creations were finished. Not perfect, but finished. So God rests. That day, that seventh day, God rests. And God makes that day holy. The heavens and the earth and the sky and the land and stars and plants and fish and birds and animals and humans are good. But the day of rest is holy. Hmm. God rests as if to remain connected with all that God has created. Not to sit back and be far away, but to sit back and see what has been created. To be in relationship with that creation. To observe and watch the land and the sky and the sea and the animals and the trees and the people too. God enjoys the creation. And all is at rest. Well, yeah, we enjoy rest too. That, that'd be nice, God. When we have done a job, when our work is finished, we like to sit back, see what we've done. When my daughter completes a puzzle, she'll sit at the table and look at it, and I'll ask, well, what are you going to do with it now? Once the puzzle is done, the work is done, right? You might put it in a frame to continue to enjoy it or break it up and put it back in the box. God puts the puzzle together and then steps back, take a look. God enjoys the creative work accomplished and then turns to rest. A holy rest, not just sitting around. A holy rest where we might imagine the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit commune together. God is fully outside that creation, yet is constantly, intimately connected to it. A couple of weeks ago, I called my grandmother, and uh, and I, a lot of stuff was going on in the news, and I was like, oh, I hope she's not watching the news. Let me give her a call and see what she's doing. So I called her, and she said, I'm doing a puzzle. She's got a little little office and a little puzzle room, as it was, and I, she said, it's a thousand-piece puzzle of little, uh, little Amish boys with all their hats, and they all look the same. I said, what do you think about when you're doing all of that? She said, nothing. Nothing. I said, that's great. That's rest, right? You're not worrying about what you have to do. You're not thinking about what you did and not worrying about what's going on outside the, the window where it was storming. It was a thunderstorm. So she was inside working on a thousand-piece puzzle. She's 88. God bless her. All the little uh, Amish boys' hats. Last week, we heard God's command to keep the Sabbath. As repeated by Moses in Deuteronomy, for the sake of all the creatures, as well as slaves and neighbors and visitors and foreigners. The Genesis text focuses on the vertical relationship between the creatures and the creator. We take time to rest to be reminded that God has called it holy. We rest to refocus on the life-giving nature of God and to practice being in relationship with God. We take time on Sunday, the first day of the week, or a time when we are able to slow down, to reconnect, and enter into a holy time, intentionally, with purpose. One way that we set apart that holy time is to 
light candles. When was the last time you lit some candles, maybe turned on some music and slid into the bathtub? Has it been a while? Sounds pretty good, right guys? <coughs> Try it, you might like it. What about a quiet dinner at home with someone you love? Someone you like a whole lot anyway. You might light some candles to make it special. We do that here Sunday morning too, look at that. Lighting candles makes the time we spend intentional, intentionally focused on our worship here each week. Sets us apart from whatever's going on out there, whatever stuff we bring with us to say, this is our holy time together to be with God, to be with one another, to be connected and in relationship. Whether it's a bath, a nice dinner, or worship, it doesn't happen by itself, right? We need to take that time. It takes intention and awareness to enter into that period of rest and reflection. For thousands of years, humans have done this, sought out time to enter into the holy presence of God, not only to be relaxed and rested, but in times of need, in times of grief and loss as well. And we set up altars or kneel at bedsides, engage in many different spiritual practices to enter into holy rest, to be drawn into what Rudolf Otto calls the mysterium tremendum, the awe and reverence in the presence of the divine. We want to dwell in that presence of God for many reasons, to know we are not alone, to give thanks, to find comfort, to seek answers, to be assured in our faith, to empty our heads and our hearts of the painful thoughts that haunt us, to confess the way we have hurt others and ourselves, to find relief when we are weary. And it might just be a time of prayer or silence. It might last a minute or hours. To have a Sabbath, a real Sabbath, is to have holy rest, to take time out from the hectic pace of life, from our work, to be reminded that God is God and we are not. The result is humility. It's humbling. If we could take time to be truly present to the reality that God is with us everywhere we go, we'd always kind of have that connection, but we, we forget about it sometimes. We need to be reminded the creator of the universe is with us in our homes, in our hearts, in our rushed and frantic moments, in our ecstasy and celebrations, in our grief and anguish, in our pain and normal and boring stuff too. God is with us. When we rest, we rest in God. We recognize that a little bit more. We are reminded and in relationship with that constant presence. Jesus reminds those who listen of the love of the one he calls Father. This love is passed on through the Son to us, to all of the creation. And in the Son, it all comes together. The Creator who sat back and rested didn't stay at rest, but came to walk in the creation, entered into time and history, to talk and teach and heal and help and to live and die with us. And Jesus seems eager to share this love of God. He wants us to know passionately pleading that this good news, according to John, that we would know that Jesus wants us, wants all of you and all of us to understand that when we know God's love, we trust in Jesus. When we are aware of God's presence and we 
see Jesus as the one whom God sent for us, we rest in God. We will have faith. When we believe, when we find, we will, when we believe, we will find that holy rest that we're seeking. The rest that God calls us to, the rest that we need. We will rest in God and not be afraid. We'll trust in Jesus and know that we are not alone. That when tyrants rage, when the earth shakes, when forests burn and we wonder what could happen next, we will know that God is still close at hand and we will be able to move forward. After we rest, after we step back into the embrace of God who loves us so much that he sent the Son to die for us for the sake of a disobedient world in need, after we get the rest we need, we'll be ready to act, to step up, to stand together and face ourselves and one another. In full knowledge that we need each other, we are part of this same creation, that we belong to God and one another. In full knowledge that we need that. We need each one. And that we belong to God and each other and then work together to make a difference. That fully rested, we can trust again, deeper, in new ways. We can hear the word afresh. We can discern God's voice in our lives. We can be faithful. And Jesus tells us today and every day, love one another the way I have loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. That paraphrase from Eugene Peterson's The Message. This is the very best way to love. And how can we ever hope to do that if we cannot find rest? If we do not rest, we'll be spent, exhausted, hurt, frustrated, afraid, and we'll doubt and despair and feel like this job will never be done. It's too big. It's too much. We are outmatched. But when we hear Jesus' words of love, Abide in me. Stay with me. Rest in me. We can find rest. When we are faithful, we will rest, knowing that all that is needed, God has done for us in our Lord Jesus. And our joy will be complete. Amen. <laughs>